We're starting a new series this morning, and uh, we're going into one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, we'll, we'll pick this apart, and each week we're just going to look at one chapter at a time as we work our way through the book of Galatians. And so uh, hopefully you'll have a better handle on what I feel like is one of the most powerful books in all the Bible. I love the book of Galatians, love what it says. And uh, it's, it's actually a letter. It's actually, uh, you know, many of these, what we call books of the Bible, were letters. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he helped start. As a matter of fact, he started several churches. And so he wanted this letter to circulate and go amongst these churches in the area, ancient area, of Galatia. Now, ancient Galatia would be modern-day Turkey. So it would be that area of the world, north of Israel. And, of course, we know that Paul took off from Israel, worked his way all the way around the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, just would go and start churches, much like we started the church, this church, in Avon, Indiana, at Regal Shiloh Crossing Cinema 19 years ago. And uh, so we're here today because of that start. Well, what Paul is doing is he's writing this letter back to these folks because he's moved on and, and he's starting churches in other places now. And so he writes this letter back and he's correcting something. Because what has happened is some people have come in behind him, some Jewish believers that we know uh, were called Judaizers. Everybody say Judaizers. Okay, so these Judaizers come in behind Paul and they say, oh yeah, that, that was good stuff what Paul taught and all about Jesus and he saw Jesus and he loves Jesus and Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead, that's all good. But, but in addition to that, you need to do something else too. And so... Because of this, Paul is writing back, and he's trying to correct this situation and says, hey, hey, whoa, 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 what is all this? You need, when I left you, you were free, and you need to stay free, because how many know whom the Son of God sets free is free indeed, right? And, and so you, you should live Free. So we're going to pick this book up right at the very beginning, Galatians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't, we're going to have it on the screen. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle, sent from men, nor by man, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, the God, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Now let me just say that I love Galatians because Paul gets into, we won't get into all this today, but he gets into his calling. And in one of the verses here, uh, a little bit down, I think it's verse 15, he, he talks about God who separated me from my mother's womb and he called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. That, that verse just leaps out at me because I just feel like that's what happened in my life. I feel like God was involved even in my mother's womb. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I, I think you're already alive. Uh, you already got a destiny. And, and, and so God had that. And he had that for Paul. And so I believe that 
uh, in my life. I believe it in your life as well. That God has purpose for your life. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. How many are glad you're rescued today from the present evil age? It was evil then, it's evil now. According to the will of, our, of God our Father, and, and to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? I mean, Paul's getting fired up. He's getting preachy here. And he's talking about the goodness of God and his call on our lives. And he talks about how he got saved, talks about how he went away. I said, I didn't go straight into the ministry when I, when I got saved. When God transformed my life, I let other people speak into my life. I let other people help train me. I, I learned from others. I learned from the apostles, and, and, and I grew in my faith. And after I had this time of growing and all, then I set out to do all that I have been doing. But he comes back to this idea here in the next two verses that we're going to look at of two gospels, of how there's two gospels going on and you've got to pick which one you're going to go with. And Paul encourages us that one of them's not even a true gospel. Let's pick it up in the next verse. Here's what it says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to what? A different gospel. There's more than one. It's a different gospel. But he says this other one is really no gospel at all. Because gospel means good news. In the sense, it's good news like you've never heard good news. That's the kind of good news it is. It's like the best news that you've ever heard. How many are with me on that? It's like the best thing you've ever heard was to hear about Jesus, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. I don't know what I need to believe. And trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. These Jewish people come behind Paul and they say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's good and all. And in addition to Jesus, you men need to have a surgery. You need to be circumcised. So we're going to set up the circumcision booth in the lobby. <laughs> I mean, no, it's going to be hard to grow a men's ministry. <laughs> I mean, no, that it, there's going to be some conversations. Hey, babe, you, you go on to church today. <laughs> you know, I need to work on the car. I got to do something here. There's a football game on. There's something happening. I'm not sure I need to be there this morning. I'm not feeling too well. And so, sure enough, I mean, I mean, this is literally what's going on. Because these are Jewish believers, and so they feel like, hey, what we've been brought up with, this ritual, this rite of passage kind of thing into faith, then, then you ought to have to do this too. If we had to do it, you ought to do it. And so they're teaching this to these people. Paul says, whoa, what is going on? Because one of those things, listen, 
one of those gospels is based on religion and the other is based on relationship. See, and here's what religion does. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Right? That's what religion does. If, if you just meditate, you know, if you just, just get my, your mind here, or if you do good works, if you read the Bible enough, if you pray, if you get to church enough, or whatever. And it, it's like our attempt to get to God, whereas relationship is about God's attempt to get to you. That, that God so wanted to get to you that he came in the form of his son. And, and the bottom line is this, is someone has to pay for your sins. So it's either going to be you or it's going to be Jesus. And thankfully, the reason why it's good news is because he did pay for it. He did pay for it. And so... Paul gets upset because here's some people coming along saying, no, no, it's Jesus plus. Jesus plus this, and then you're in. So it's like, Jesus plus, join this church, and you're in. Jesus plus, read the Bible every day, and you're in. Jesus plus, pray every day and you're in, or don't cut your hair, or wear a dress. I'm talking about the women now, all right? <laughs> Have to watch, because not everybody, okay. So, so Paul says, no, 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 no. All you need to do is surrender to Jesus. That's what I taught you. You just surrender to Jesus, and then Jesus takes it from there. You join Jesus. It's not join Jesus and this church. Or join Jesus and have this surgery. Join Jesus and do this, do that. It's just Jesus alone. Jesus, 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 right? That's it. Just Jesus. And so... Here's the problem, I believe, many of us as church people, as Christian people, or whatever you, term you want to use, the church in America has a branding problem. Because many people think, oh yeah, they want you to join. Oh, they want your money. Oh, that you got to quit doing all that fun stuff. Oh, you can't do that anymore, and you can't do that, and it's all about what you can't do. And, and Paul says, see, that's, that's where you're off, because it's really about what you do. It's what's been done for you. And it, but it's easy, it's easy to go to the other gospel. And for one thing, how many know it's hard when somebody pays your bill for you, you feel a little indebted, right? You feel like, oh, hey, no, no. No, you don't have to buy my food or whatever, you know. And maybe you got a slow reach when the bill. Yeah, you know who you are. Just kind of, oh, yeah. Oh, you got the bill before I did. Uh, well, I'll pick up the tip. I'll get the tip. 
Because there's something in us that feels, or I'll get the next time, or whatever. There's something in this. And, and Paul says, no, 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 no. You didn't pay any of the tab. He paid the tab in full. He paid it in full so you could be free. So why are you trying to get bound up again? Why are you trying to get into religion again? You need to learn freedom, and then you need to live freedom in your life. And so the quest for many of us is, how can I be more godly? How can I do that? And every religion has an answer for that. Every religion has an answer for how you can be more godly. You just do their rules. You just do what they say you need to do. All religions have a process. But what I'm going to teach you today is it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And I'm telling you, this message today is like foundational. You could be here today and you don't still get the gospel. You could have even gone to church and not know the true good news of Jesus. And here's how I know this, because I remember when I was growing up in church, and I went to a good church, Bible-believing church, all those things, but I remember my dad telling me about a guy that's a friend of his that was in the lobby, and uh, he says, you know, George came in today, and uh, my dad knew who he was, and he says, and he came into church, and next thing I knew, he was down there at the altar getting saved again. You know, and, and uh, you know, George is a mess. He, you know, he gets out, gets drunk, and carries on and whatever. So I told George. I said, George, what's up with you? you? You come down, you get all saved and everything, and then you go out drinking and messing around and whatever. Don't see you in a while. And then you come back again, get all gloriously saved. I'll tell you what, the next time I see you at the altar, I'm just going to knock you in the head and send you on to glory. Because poor George wasn't going to make it if he didn't get saved right there and stay saved right there. You know what I'm saying? Because it is very fragile, his relationship with God. And, and that's not how we're supposed to live. There's a more powerful way to live. And it's the way God intended from the very beginning. Let's look at it in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Here's how it starts out. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree, two trees, one, the tree of life, and the other, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's two trees you have a choice over. You have a decision to make, and you can choose. And so here's what God goes on to say. Let's look at it. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree. Everybody say any. Any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from this one the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's why. Because when you eat of it, you will surely die. So this is, this is like a parent who says to their child, hey, hey, you can touch the cabinet. You can touch that cabinet. 
You can touch the refrigerator. You can touch the front of the stove. But you don't put your hand up on here. Don't do that. Why? Because the parent knows what damage will happen. Right? You, you will get burnt. It will happen to you. And God is saying, hey, 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 you've got a wonderful view of the world right now. You've got me to enjoy, and you've got everything for you. Don't mess it up. Just don't mess it up. And so he gave that encouragement to these people because he says it's going to lead to destruction. Let's look at what the destruction was. In in the third chapter, here's what it says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, that's not what he said, devil. Right? How many know the devil can twist words? Right? Get you all messed up. So the woman said to the servant, well, we can eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And look at what he says. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. See, that's what everybody wants to do. Oh, I could be my own God. I I could be God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who heard it firsthand from God, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves because that's what you do when you try to do it in religion. You try to make your own clothes to cover your shame. You try to cover it up. You try to, you're in your own efforts to do it, and that's exactly what they tried to do. And so I want us to look today, and you can follow along in your notes, write some things down, the difference between two choices. God from the beginning said, here here you go. You can choose one or the other, and I'm not going to choose for you. I have a choice I want you to make. We'll see that in a few moments. But he says, you can choose. And one of those choices focuses on what you do. On what you do. Whatever you do. Like, if you'll read the Bible enough, or if you'll become a member of the church, or you'll do this, or you do that, then uh, if you pray enough, read enough, do enough, whatever, or don't do some of these other things, then you're in. While the other one focuses on what Jesus has done. What he has done. Now, have you ever been anywhere that followed the same uh, pattern there of focusing on what you do, and maybe you went into a certain church, and people were there like, hmm, I don't know if you're one of us. I think you came to the wrong church. I don't think you're going to measure up around here. You ever been to that church? 
Maybe you grew up in that kind of church to where, you know, there were certain criteria and there were certain levels of sin, right? Oh, that's always good. And my, my level of sin's not near as dark as yours, right? Whatever my sin is, it's always lighter. And, and so there, there would be this judgment feel. And, and here's the thing. Is, is that's not the reason why you read the Bible. I hope you read the Bible. Not to get saved. Not, not that you'll get saved by reading the Bible. You could invite Jesus in, but it's inviting Jesus into your life, letting him become the savior of your soul, letting him become the savior of your sins. That's what causes you to be saved. It's not reading all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. You could read the whole Bible and go to hell. Hello? You can join every church in town and go to hell. It's not about those things. It's not what, how much I can read. It's who I can connect with from this book. See, that needs to be the goal. When you do Bible reading, when you read the YouVersion app or whatever kind of Bible you read or whatever, it needs to be for the purpose of connecting to Jesus. Oh, I see him in this. Oh, I feel him speaking to me. Oh, wow. I know God's sharing something with me right now. See, and when you pray, it's not like, oh, somebody told me a good Christian prays an hour every day. So I might have to pray an hour. And and so you, you set out to do that. No, it's not about pray an hour. It's about connect to somebody in that hour. You need to connect with him. And if you spend an hour and you don't connect with him, it was a waste of time. Because the whole point is connecting with God. Look at what John said about this. Jesus said this, you diligently, he's speaking to religious people. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you'll possess eternal life. Well, I've read the Bible. So I'm I'm all good. He says, here's what you ought to realize. These are the same scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Because I didn't come to give you rituals. I came to give you life. And, And so John tells us that Jesus is calling these people out and saying, hey, When you're reading the Bible, it ought to be, oh my goodness, there's Jesus. Oh wow, I feel Jesus speaking to me. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking through these words. Now here's the next thing. Is one of these gospels, that's not a gospel really, focuses on getting God's approval. You know, if 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 I could just, maybe if I go to church this week, I'll get that job. Hello? Maybe if, I, maybe if I read the Bible some this week, I'll get healed. Maybe, you know, I can manipulate God this week and, and he'll think, oh, wow, look at Craig. Oh, my. He got up and went to church. Holy Spirit, look at, the, oh, my goodness, isn't this amazing? No, that's not what it's about. It's not... Focusing that, that, that a lot of people's image of God is this big white haired man sitting on a throne ready to zap somebody. 
right? Kind of like the Wizard of Oz, you know? They were afraid. Remember that movie? And they were afraid because, what do you want? Nothing, nothing. We don't want anything. They were afraid. Of course, it turned out to be a little guy, you know, but, but uh, a lot of people have that picture about God, that God's up in heaven, and he's just sitting there, and he says, mmm, didn't go to church today. <laughs> Get that. Huh? And that's not the picture of the Bible. Here's the picture of the Bible. It's, it's a gospel that focuses on receiving God's love. I'm receiving. It's not about what I can give to God, because let me tell you something. You're going to come up short on that. He doesn't need anything. But you can receive from him, and you receive. And, and here's the thing about what the awesomeness of God. Let me tell you something. He knows about your sin. Okay. He knows about it. The Bible says he even knows the thoughts that we think. That's scary, huh? Because you can fool everybody here today, but how about here? And, and here's what it says. It says that even while you were a sinner, he died for you. Yeah. I mean, that's worth, <laughs> that's worth almost getting excited about, isn't it? Because it changes the way you relate to him. I mean, your view of God determines your vicinity with God. Does that make sense? Because when you see him as this God, then you're like, whoa, don't get too close. But when you see him as a loving, heavenly father, you can't get close enough, right? <laughs> you can't get close enough. See, your attitude determines your approach. But let me tell you something. Here, here's how the devil works in this. The devil says, oh, you, you, you're not going to raise your hands today, are you? I mean, I heard you this week. Hit your thumb with that hammer and whew. Whoa. That was some language. I don't even talk like that, you know. That was bad. So don't, I, if I were you, I wouldn't even sing today. <laughs> Knowing the wretch that you are. Right? I, I've talked to people who say, oh, I, I didn't feel worthy to take communion. Let me tell you something. If I have to feel worthy, if I have to be worthy to take communion, I'll never take communion. I don't come into this church and raise my hands and raise my voice and bounce up on my feet because of who I am. I do it because of who he is, what he has done. And when I think about that, I can't get my hands high enough. I don't know about you, but when I think, I know what I am. I know who I was this week. I know all about that, and I know he knows. And guess what? I'm going to praise him because his grace is just so great. It's already forgiven me, washed me, cleansed me. I'm going to settle down here, all right? So, so I need to... I, I need to I've got to sing because he put a song in my heart, right? He put a song of joy in there. Look at what Romans 5, verse 8 says. 
it says, but God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. He didn't start loving you because you were changed. Instead, he loved you so you could change. So you could have the power to change. You don't get your act together and come to God. You come to God and he helps you get your act together. Amen? That's what happens. His love will change anything. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved. He did it first. He loved me first. And so the reason I worship, the reason I raise my hands, the reason why I get excited when I get up here and talk about this stuff is because it's so real to me, his love, his affection for me, his desire for me, I realize it, I'm amazed by it, and in my amazement, I can't help but yield myself to him, my voice, my life. It's so funny because sometimes, you know, I sit down here in the front row and, and my daughter, or my my, my, my I almost and my mom, my wife, don't anybody say that, my wife will be singing up here, and they'll say, you are so loud, we can hear you through our ear monitors, you're like the loudest person in the whole church, you're just, whoa, loud, but I don't know about you, but there's something within me. That I feel like, no, I, I can't hardly get loud enough. I, I can't hardly get my hands up. I wish I could sky up and touch the roof, you know, touch the ceiling or something. Because if I could get any higher, I would. Because he deserves my highest, my best, my loudest praise. If you feel that way, give him praise right now. Go ahead. So that's the reason why we worship. So here's what I want for you. I want you to get to the point where the devil can't talk you out of praising. Where where the devil doesn't put enough condemnation on you that you just, oh, yeah, I'm not worthy. That's right. And you never will be. And so that's okay. Okay. You praise him before your breakthrough. You praise him before it happens. You praise him in spite of your sin. You praise him in light of who you are. Not, not, not because of who you are, but in light of the fact that you are a sinner and God loves sinners. All right? So, and as you come into his presence, you will, you will be changed. Let's look at that. The one focuses on external duty. In other words, this gospel says, oh, you've got to do this if you're saved. You've got to do this. You've got to serve. You've got to witness. You've got to reach people. You've got to do this. No, no. The other focuses on internal desire. See, when I come to Jesus, the real Jesus, my desires change. See, that's one way you know you got it, is because the old passes away, right? We sing about that. The old passes away, the new comes. And we do this, we worship, we come to church, we serve, we do all these things because we get to, not we have to. 
I got to come to church today. I got to serve in church today. I got to raise my hands in worship. Not I have to. It's because of what he's done for me. And so what happens in my life, because I'm so grateful, because I'm so thankful, because I'm so full of him and his spirit in my life, I'm saying, oh, wow, I can buy toys in July or August for kids for Christmas. How awesome is that? Man, that's so awesome. Oh, wow, I, I get to serve coffee to people at church today. How awesome is that? Oh, wow, I get to welcome people out in the parking lot today and tell them they're blessed of God and wave at them and, and, and say, hey, welcome to church. I get to do those kinds of things. I don't have to do them. I get to do them. I get to come back tonight and serve in student ministry. I get to tell kids about Jesus. I get to go across the street to hickory and serve them and show God's love to them. I get to do it. See, that's, that's how we, we, we get because I'm so thankful I'm free. So I'm so thankful of what he's done. He's done too much for me for me not to do those things. See, see that's true love. I, you move from got to to get to. Look at 1 John Here's what else John tells us about this. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Notice it says life and not a list. He didn't say he who has a son has a list. of All the things you got to do. To earn God's favor, to be in good standing. No, no, see, and here's the thing. If you're not in love with God, if you're not in love with Jesus, then those things will be hard for you. But when you're in love with Jesus, it's not hard. It used to be an old song said something like this, he's not heavy, he's my brother, right? And the imagery was, hey, I got, I, I'll carry my brother because he's my brother. See, and I've seen this with couples that have been married for decades, and one of them gets ill, and they remember, oh yeah, 40 years ago, I said better or worse, and I was all in for the better, and now that it's worse, I'm not going anywhere either. Because I'm going to serve her or I'm going to serve him because they were there for me on my best days. I'll be for the, there for them on their worst days. And, and so I love that. So that's how it is when, when we choose life in God. When you're in love with him, it's not hard to serve him. Let me, let me give you three things and then we're, then we're done. Here's how to choose life. Our theme verse, if you're new to Crossroads, is just let me tell you what kind of church you're in today. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Our theme verse in this church is John 10.10, where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Full life. And here's our, here's our purpose statement, is we want to bring people into 
full life in Christ. We want to bring everyone we can into full life in Christ. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to do whatever. You don't have to read the Bible every day or whatever. We think you should. We think you'll want to. But all you need to do, first off, is just come to life. Because when you come to life, then it'll fix all the rest of it, right? How many know he's still fixing you, right? He's still working on you. He, he doesn't give up. And so we say it's a life-giving church. So we have life groups, by the way. Life groups. So that you can experience life together in a living room with somebody else. And get together relationally with others and grow in your faith. And so if you're not in a life group, you ought to get in one. Please, please, please get in a life group this fall. Do it. And, and, and enjoy life with each other. Not religion, but life. Here's three things. First off, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus because here's what I know. To know him is to love him. Right? If you really know him, you love him. Because there's no one, no one like him. And he paid the price for your sin and no one else has. No one else has. He did it. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You'll just do it. You'll just do it because you love me. And we're in a love relationship. And so it won't be hard. It won't be heavy because of the love that we have for each other. The second thing is don't allow condemnation. Don't allow the devil to say, get your hands down. What are you doing, fool? You, you know who you are. And, and so you might come down about half a lift, you know. And, and then he's like, mm, you don't even need them up at all. I'm telling you, that Romans chapter 8, look at this verse. Therefore, there is no, everybody say no. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives what? Life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I can agree with you, devil. You're right. I don't deserve to have my hands in the air, but I'm not going to wait for the day when I deserve it. I need it now. I need him. Oh, I need him. Every hour I need him. So I'm going to keep on praising him. And here's the third thing is make the choice every day. Because just like that couple that's been married 40 years, 50 years, whatever, now one of them starting to slip or whatever, and things are a little tougher, they're different than they used to be or whatever that looks like. Let me tell you something. They, they made the choice every day. If you see somebody married 50 years or whatever, even, even 25, whatever years, if you see somebody like that, I'll tell you what they've done. They've chosen each other every day. See? And so what happens is in marriage, then, and it's not marriage sermon, but I'll just step off here for a little soapbox, a little extra bonus here, all right? If you want a marriage that lasts, here's what you do. You choose him. You choose her every day. And even when you think, hmm, Mm. 
You want multiple choice. You know, you're one. You say, no, no, I choose her. I choose him all over again. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, every day until Jesus comes back or death calls us home, whatever happens, I'm deciding to choose every day. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this, this day, here's God speaking, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you, here's what God's done, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now look at what he says, now choose life. He says, I, I'm not, I'm not going to force you. I, I'm not, I, I'd love to, but I'm going to give you free will here. And I'm just going to set it in front of you. There's two trees. You can pick which one you're going to eat out of. There's a true gospel and there's a false gospel. You, you can pick, choose. And here's what I choose for you. I want you choose life today for someone here you need to do what God's wanting you to do and that's choose life choose the life not ritual not religion not join this church you may do that in a month or two or six months or a year from now you may do that because you'll want to that's not what it's about it's about choosing him in your life and I believe you're going to do that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can choose you. And by choosing you, you begin a new thing in us. And God, for those of us who maybe have a tendency to slip over into the gospel that's not a true gospel. For those of us who, who can swing over, who can sway over, who can move over and start thinking about all these other things and we allow the devil to bring condemnation into our lives all of that God help us to get free again today maybe you're here and you say Craig I needed this as a reminder I, I needed this in my life so that I wouldn't live a legalistic kind of life I, I don't want to I want to live free I want to live the way God wants me to live and I just want to fall in love with him all over again I want to just love him more this week than I've ever loved him before. I just want to love him and feel his love in my life like never before. If that's your desire, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's, that's what I want. I, I want all he has in my life. Father, you see every hand that's raised. God, we just want to fall head over heels again in love with you. Because you're worth falling in love with all over again. Because you're just so awesome, so incredibly gracious, so merciful, so caring. So God, today, we just thank you for that. Help us to reflect that to the culture around us that needs you. Maybe you're here today, others of you, that maybe the reason why you left church is you didn't think you could live it perfect enough. Maybe the reason why you walked out is you thought it was about religion. You thought it was about rules and regulations. And you just didn't think, I, I just don't think I can be that. I don't think I can be perfect. Well, the good news is you don't have to be perfect. As a matter of fact, perfect people can't do it. It's, it's our imperfection that draws him to us. 
So if you're here today and you'd say, oh, Craig, I, I need him in my life. I need the true gospel. I need the true Jesus in my life. I, it's not accepting this church. It's not accepting rituals. It's not accepting religion. It's accepting him, his presence, his power come alive inside of you. And if you're here today and you need that, you want that, will you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me today. That's what I want. Yes, I see those hands. God bless you down here. Over here, God bless you. Over here, God bless you. Back there, God bless you. All right, several hands around the room have been raised. So let's all just pray this prayer. Just pray it with me. And especially if you raised a hand, just take these words and pray them to God as though they're yours. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay my price of full forgiveness in full. I can't add to it. There's nothing I can do to be deserving of your love. But you love me anyway. And as a result, I want to serve you the rest of my life. So come in and wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me power to live for you. And as much as I know how, I surrender all today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, somebody get excited for those.